Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thursday, you know what that means. It's episode 82 of the most elite show on the Rundown Wrestling Network. It is the AEW Rundown. My name is Sal. Adam is here. Hello, Adam. Hey, buddy. Adam's been feeling a little bit uh, under the weather today, so I'm going to try to carry this on my back. You know, nothing different than any other week. I will turn this Skype call around, mister. Oh, just kidding. I'm just kidding, buddy. I apologize in advance for the uh, for the ongoing slurping sounds as the episode moves forward. I have my tea here, but uh, got a bit of a bit of a sore throat today. So What kind of tea? It's like a cinnamon apple thing I found in the cabinet. Uh, okay. I threw some honey in there. Pretty good. I was going to say honey. Honey and tea they say is usually good. And yes, darling. Hey, you're the um you're the ring announcer, so you must know all the tricks of the trade if you have like a sore throat, right? I haven't run into that, luckily. Oh, but, yeah, shit. Honey, <laughs> I didn't honey, mean to jinx you. Honey and lemon. You know. Well, this week, um, I guess you could call it the fallout from Blood and Guts. Uh, definitely a lot to talk about. Um, I don't... You know, I, I don't think I agree with a lot of what people are saying about AEW this week, so... Huh. Could be an interesting episode, but we will we will definitely dive into all that. Before we dive into all that, um, I do want to mention how crazy the past 24 hours have been for me, because uh, <laughs> usually I have nothing to really talk about. However, this time, uh, my wife's car broke last night, like all oh, these God. lights came on the dash and her car started shaking, right? Nice. However, my father-in-law had a colonoscopy scheduled for 8 o'clock this morning. So what to do, what to do? Well, I had to take him while she took her car to the mechanic. And then I dropped him off, him and my mother-in-law, and then picked her up. And then we went home, and then I had to pick them up later on, and then had to pick up the car. Which the car, you know what? It could have been a lot more. It was Mm -hmm. spark plugs. In the engine coil, and it was about four hundred bucks. Okay, that's not bad. That's not like I was convinced it was going to be seven eight hundred dollars. Yeah, no, I completely, I, I completely understand the feeling of 
uh, oh shit. And then they come back with, they come back when they're done. It's like, yeah, it's like 200 for this and 150 for that. And you're like, oh, that's it. Thank yeah. you. And the guy that we go to, the mechanic, we've been going to him for years and he's always been like fair to us. <clears throat> he doesn't like bullshit us and try to sell us a bunch of shit. Yeah. Yeah. But thank God. So her car's fixed. Uh, my father-in-law's fine. He got his colonoscopy. He had to do the diet. I don't know if you've ever heard of the diet. It's it's pretty intense. It's like that scene in Dumb and Dumber when Jim Carrey pours the laxative into the tea. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to do a cleanse prep for one of the big surgeries I had, just okay. in case. Just, okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's the buy the giant jug of uh, Powerade Miralax. and the giant <laughs> jug of Miralax and yes. mix them together. Drink all that over the course of four hours and then shit your brains out for yeah. the next day. I had to do it once. I had to do a colonoscopy. But make sure you don't buy the red Powerade. you got to get the blue. No, not allowed to get the red. Nothing with red five in it, my friend. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, my mother-in-law took that to the next extreme and wouldn't accept the orange or purple Gatorade that I bought for them. But, okay. That's fine. I'll drink it. Whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that was my day. So I've been running around with my head cut off all day, uh, trying to watch some wrestling here and there. <laughs> and then, uh, so I had originally taken the day off because of all this drama. Uh, and my boss texts me at two thirty, and he goes, uh, "Hey, did, were you um, were you taking the whole day or just a half day?" And I'm like, "I know where this is going." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I was, um, I didn't know when I was going to be back. Why?" What's going on? Oh, we're really busy, and Dave, and Dave had to go home sick. Any way you could give me, like, a half a day? Like, can you work, like, four to eight? And I'm like... <sighs> I love that. The question that he already knows the answer to, but he's hoping he can get you to change your mind. But I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's best, because I've already burned through so much time off already, and it's only May. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe it's best that I don't take a full day. So I did. I took a half a day. I went... But he, we made a deal. I didn't have to go on the phones. I just had to to uh, process some orders by email. Nice. There you go. So that that allowed for a lot more watching of wrestling. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I don't I don't have PTO to cover today. So. Oh no. Hopefully, Wait. hopefully, hopefully I feel better tomorrow. Do you get it yearly, like January first? You get all your PTO. No. Oh, see. We do. We're supposed to accumulate it, but no, no, we, we're like allowed to borrow from the entire 2020 yeah, bucket. My last job was like that. But this one is not, as far as I'm aware. Now, also, if for some reason something happened and I left the company, um, the PTO that I didn't earn that they already paid me for would be taken out of my last check. Of course. But, you know, that I'm not planning on doing that. And. <laughs> I don't think they're planning on getting rid of me. Who knows yeah. what happened last year when we when we created furloughed fathers? But other than that, uh, no, I'll, 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 you know they usually help me out, so I don't mind helping them out. And uh, yeah, and now we're here, and now it's Thursday night, and we're gonna talk about AW. Yes, we are. Um, talking about the fallout from Blood and Guts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a thought this week. Uh, based on uh, kind of sparked by listening to uh, uh, the Jobber Knocker okay. uh, earlier this week. If they had done it differently, where they hadn't built the obvious platform on the stage, 
if they had been able to set up a situation where, uh, you know, like Jericho falls into the void is what I wrote down. Like falls hits, like if they could, I know they can't do this at Jacksonville cause it's, it is a stage and it's not a built stage. It is the stage of the arena. But if they've been able to do a thing where Jericho falls off the cage and like, uh, like when Muhammad Hassan disappeared forever goes <laughs> through, through the stage mm-hmm. and you've got your, you've got your cushion underneath. How much better would that have been? See, you bring that up. Now I know you, you jump back in a WrestleMania weekend did you watch Takeover? Stand and deliver. I did yeah. Not. Oh, okay. There was a very similar spot that Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole did, where they went through the ramp. Now, obviously, I feel like I saw a clip of that. Yeah. On. Obviously, they didn't fucking fall off the top of a twenty foot cage, but the way the ramp spot was done, it, it actually turned out all right. Like oh. you could kind of tell. Because it was one great that was different than all the others, <laughs> but still, it the way they built to it, it it wasn't it was actually pretty good. If it was something like that, I think that would have looked a lot better. Yeah, uh, but obviously, doing that off the top of a cage, and and I will say this: no, I'm, look, I'm not defending them. The bumps sucked, but this was never the original place they wanted to do blood and guts. They wanted to do it. At whatever arena they were going to in New Jersey. They right? wanted to do to Rochester, New York. Yeah. Rochester, New York. I, I thought it was New Jersey. But yeah, <clears throat> Rochester, New York. So, you know, when you're stuck having to work out of Daly's place, I'm sure things are restricted differently than they would be at other arenas. So, again, I'm not giving any excuses. It's just something I thought about. Like, this arena was probably not the arena they really wanted to do bloody guts from. It's one of those, it's one of those things where you, they would have had to have built something. Yep. So any anything they did, it was going to be obvious. And again, we, we know thanks to the arcade anarchy, their history of building things to suit their needs. You know but, what's funny about that? And I was thinking about this too, cause you, and it's interesting you brought up arcade anarchy. If some of the stuff they've built isn't terrible, if you shoot it the right way, that's true. This is really a production issue because they did do some fun editing with the replays this week. Yes. <laughs> Because they probably fucking, you know, don't edit after. That's <laughs> what we get on WWE for. It's like, oh, how convenient. They cut out that spot. Yeah, and that's exactly what AEW did. But that's the thing. If, if they shot it right the first time, I seriously doubt there would be that many complaints. Speaking of complaints, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, a 25 minute of episode. Uh, bleh, a 25-minute episode of Being the Elite this week. Yeah. Episode 255, entitled... They should have, been on di- should have put that on Dynamite. They should have put it on Dynamite. Uh, so... Matt Jackson opens with a promo about SCU. And he talks about their history. You know, the one that nobody's really seen. Because... None of the companies that they wrestled for were really on TV regularly. Yeah, I know ROH, but don't don't get me started on how many times I tried to watch ROH and ended up getting fishing. Yeah. So, Matt Jackson talks about this long history. They looked up to SCU. Their When's kids... Charlie Moore fighting for the title? Um, 
they looked up to SCU, their kids play together, their wives exchange gifts on various holidays, all very nice shit. Um, they, you know. <laughs> he then congratulates SCU because he's like, you know, you put this self-made uh, stipulation on the on your own matches, but ever since then you've delivered. You've, you've done exactly what you said you were going to do. You became number one contender. Uh, and then he buries his own company and says, but the difference between beating tomato cans on dark and stepping in the ring with a once in a millennium tag team. Yeah. <laughs> Easy there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Great, great idea to talk shit about your YouTube shows. Yeah. Also, your, he- your head's not going to fit through that door pretty soon. <laughs> really makes people want to watch the product. Um, the Bucks are unbeatable. They're on a whole nother level. The tag titles mean more to them than SCU's legacy. So the Bucks will have no problem super kicking them on their way to victory. And so Matt cuts this long promo. And again, yeah, I said he goes into the detail of of the history of, of these teams. And then he after he cuts the promo, he goes, You should have put that on dynamite. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what, asshole? If you're making fun of that and you're saying that to open your YouTube show, you're probably thinking that too. <laughs> And spoiler alert for later, he does make the uh, I'm sorry, I love you joke here that leads to that stupid spot of dynamite. But yes, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah, he did. He, he dropped the Shawn Michaels line. I'm sorry, I love you. <clears throat> Stop it. Ah, <laughs> uh, I didn't mind the promo. I appreciated the history. But again, he buried waiting. his own product. I was waiting for the punchline when he calls SCU old. Yeah. That didn't come, but uh, segment one. Stu Grayson is trying to convince Cutler that Anna J is a thing and exists, um, but this one was done really weak because he turns to chase down a girl, but then there's no check. There's nobody. There's just an empty hallway, and then. He's like, not even that. I am just, losing my mind, aren't I? Brandon's like, not, yeah. Not even an empty hallway. There's just, there's a door, a big garage door that somebody could have walked through while we were running over there. This is true. Yeah, it was wicked lazy this week. <laughs> it really was. It, it started out exactly the same as last week, to the point where I thought they were reusing footage. Well, I thought we were going to get him pulling somebody with a hoodie and having them turn around, and it was going to be Hook this week or like um, Brian Cage. Like I was so over it before they even started, and then they didn't show anybody, and I was like, "Well, that was even worse." <laughs> mm. uh, so then we go to the Dark Order Clubhouse. Um, it they, wasn't the clubhouse; it was some random hallway. This is true. Uh, yeah, they were like in a conference room. I don't. I don't know. Um, they go over the to their to do list, and well, first of all, Uno's got like this thing that he's. It's not the to do to the to do list he talks about. It's some other list that's like maybe questions that you know he ponders at night. Like it's two inches big enough, and like <laughs> you saw that on his little fucking device, right? But anyway, he says that they have a to-do list dealing with uh, HFO, Hardy Family Office. 
which Alex Reynolds says, it's all right, I got it, it's all set. I got Isaiah Cassidy this week on Dark. I'll take care of it. Problem solved. Uh, at this point, John Silver just walks by. Yep. Nobody acknowledges him because he's lost, quote-unquote. More on that later on Dynamite. Yes, he, he walks up this hall. And the Dark Order are in this room, but he walks that way. Yeah. but And they don't see him, which is really weird because, again, we ignore that on Dynamite, but never mind. I'll get that when we get there. Um, and then <laughs> second order of business is to bring gold to the Dark Order. I'd love to know how they're going to do that. <laughs> It's kind of a pity party for Ten. He was like, I had him. I had it locked in. It's like, I know, Masters, mask. I know. It's okay. They ripped my mask. It's okay, Chris Masters, settle down. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, and then he was bitching about his mask. Uh, they also wonder if Sting is friend or foe. And they call out the bullshit. They're like, he, po- he did this. He pointed at me one week. And then the next week, he's helping us beat up... Uh, uh, Team Taz, I, I don't get it. <laughs> hey, five, we don't get it either. <laughs> Seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Also, they have to brainstorm ways to get Hangman Page back to being a number one contender and create BTDO being the Dark Order. Damn right. Except not, because I don't know what it stands for. That's true. Um, and then also find John, John Silver. How do you think they've handled his uh, his injury on their with their BTE presence? It's kind of weird, right? Like he's like a background uh, character, but I mean, it kind of has to be. But I mean, I know we can't do anything <clears throat> physical, but like, see, this is why we need the BTE title. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, go ahead. I just want to say, I want to know who stuck bowls all over the wall. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Uno suggests one way to get at Team Taz would be to change their color from purple to orange. And then he puts on an FTW hat. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, but I'm not good at suplexes, though. It's <laughs> amazing. I laughed at that. And then I also laughed at the random concierge that walked through at the end. Right. And then when they split up to go look for Johnny, one of them was like, "Was it that? Was that guy who just walked through? Was that Johnny?" And he's still standing over by the other door. He's just yeah. And they're like, "No, that's uh, that's Fritz. He works here." But the fact that he was still just standing over there, which that's the thing, they weren't at Daly's place for this game. That was like a hotel, right? It was a yeah, it was a hotel. Okay, that's what I figured. Which I think they've used before like a hotel to me. for for BT Championship skits. Remember, like yeah. when they did the stupid. Yeah. Oh my god, what the, did they the toss paper, in a... The, yeah, the, the, the bottle cap tossing or whatever the it was. bottle cap tossing. No, it was uh, mustard packets. Mustard packets in a fucking bowl like this big. Yeah. With water in it. Which, not originally. <laughs> but then yeah. they were like, we should add water so that we know that it, you know, get... Whatever. I think the water was... The idea behind the water was it'll go in and hit the water and it won't come out. <laughs> anyway... Uh, anyway, then we go to more trick shots from Nick Jackson. I'm honestly not impressed. The fuck is this? Is this supposed to be like a parody of something? I mean, yeah, like back in the day, like on on NBA Game Time, like they would show people doing like trick shots and stuff. But I don't think that's what it's a parody of. But then again, this is the same group that mimics uh, 
Michael Jordan's entrance from 1998. So, and yes, yes, I'm the fucking guy who always makes the 30-year-old references, ripping on the guys making 30-year-old references. I don't give a fuck. Don't at me. (laughs) Uh, Silver wanders the halls, lost. Uh, He's surrounded by best friends. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. Cassidy kicks Silver in the balls and steals his shoes. So the story I got from this is that the best friends turn creepy slash evil when they drink wine? Yes. They get belligerent when they're drunk. (laughs) I did have to laugh at the end, though. He pours the the wine on John's head, and then they walk (laughs) off, and John's like, Okay, oh, it's it's really in my eyes. Oh, but uh, guys, this, guys, it's in. Oh, it's, it oh my so god, it's really in my eyes. I heard so bad. <laughs> bad bit. This is a bad bit. <laughs> See, and that's why silver's amazing. That's why I needed more silver. This wasn't bad. Hopefully, we get even more next week. Uh, we get footage of the blood and guts ring being set up. I, I don't fucking care. Can we see footage of the crash pad test? <laughs> Only if it was. Um, Griff Garrison taking the bump. Huh? <laughs> <clears throat> Who the fuck is Griff Garrison? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Oh, that fucking... Oh, God. It's Matt Jackson again. Uh, he thought it was supposed to be Hawaiian Day, but the rest of the elite were dressed as bikers. Ha 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 ha. They went out to the ring for Kenny Omega to hit the one-winged angel on Eddie Kingston. Who fucking cares? See, this, you could have cut this entire segment out and we could have had a 20 minute episode. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Carl Anderson is making Al Pacino face. What would it's you just, consider Al Pacino face? It's hysterical. It's just absolutely hilarious. Uh, yeah. Let's move on. Peter Avalon uh, tries to hit on Maddie Ronkowski. No, you skipped what? Kenny Omega. Oh, shit. No, no, I didn't. What happened with Kenny Omega? They show, they how 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 did you know that they were going to show that promo on on BTE this week? Oh yeah, I called that out. Yes, it was when Brandon Cutler and him walked out, and I Dude, went, "Where are the where are the fans?" Oh wait, that's why I've completely skipped uh, recapping it because I'm like, yeah, I already said that last week. <laughs> oh Kenny, 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 Kenny. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm sorry, but honest to God, BT had me bored. It was, mm. I wasn't ready for a 25 minute episode. Uh-uh. <laughs> I was, I was like, when I, when I went to go look at it, I was hoping for 11, 11, yeah. 12 minutes. <laughs> and then I was like, oh fuck, 25. And I pretty much checked out after like five minutes. Yeah, um, I, I know I wasn't going to work, so I slept in this morning. Yeah. Uh, and thought, I'll get up, I'll watch Dynamite, I'll watch BT, I'll watch Dynamite, it'll be great. And then, yeah, 25-minute BT. I was like, wow, fuck. Ugh. Uh, yeah, so then we go to Peter Avalon, who is hitting on Maddie Rinkowski. Oh, is that who that was? Okay. Yes, until Leva Bates walks by, and she observes Peter Avalon, and then Peter Avalon notices Leva Bates, and then we get the, like, honeymoon... Not the honeymooners. What was that fucking show where everybody wanted the two main characters to get together? The Office? No, Night... No, that was different. Um, night something. Night... It was like an Night 80s. Court? Not Night Court. Bow, bow. Bow, 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 
Love that song, though. For real, it's one of the best. No, it was Night Something, and it had this guy and this girl, and it's like, you know, will they? Hold on. Now I'm going to have to look it up. Jesus Christ. You keep singing Nightcore while I look up this, this show. Moonlighting. Yeah, that starts with night, sure. Well, okay. Same gimmick, though. Moon. Moons at, moons are at night. Yes, I know. Okay, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna continue the recap while you play that song. Uh, John Silver finds the Dark Order. We get a very happy reunion. We get more trick shots with Nick Jackson, and then Daniels hits us with a promo. Life is gonna change. He'll either be tag champ or split up with Kaz. Daniels doesn't know which form of the Bucks to expect in the ring. Longtime friends or flashy bad guys. Uh, SCU doesn't need any extra motivation, but life will change one way or the other. They won't be the same four men after the match. I feel like these promos, while good, these were good promos. These were not bad. I feel like they would mean more if we didn't, if it wasn't so obvious what was going to happen on Dynamite. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know why it was obvious? Because... You never gave SCU a chance. <clears throat> From the minute you started this story, if we lose, we're you know we're gonna break up, dude. <laughs> I think they tried to do the Ric Flair gimmick, like if I ever lose again, I'll retire. Um, but the problem is, like we didn't know when that was coming. We knew what was coming when they said that. I called this out months ago. I said. Oh, they're gonna lose the. They're gonna face the Bucks for the titles, and they're gonna lose, and the Bucks are gonna be the one to retire them. <laughs> like you said, it was just a little bit too obvious. Here's here's what I'm curious about. Because mm-hmm. this whole thing started when the young Bucks were still faces. Yeah. And so I wonder if this is actual long term storytelling. Or if they wrote themselves into a fucking corner and went, oh, guess we have to make SCU break up. No. I don't think that. I think this was long-term storytelling, and I'll tell you my two reasons why. Number one, you knew you knew if you were turning Kenny, you were turning the Bucks with him eventually. You were never going to have Kenny and the Bucks on opposite sides for that long. You know what I mean? That's my opinion. Second thing is Daniels has said in interviews, especially after the pandemic, like, I'm getting older. This shit's getting harder to do. My body's feeling like shit. Like, I think I'm going to transition to a more backstage role. He has said that. You know what I mean? So I think that's what this is. I I think Daniels is going to be more of a part-timer in ring going forward. And Kaz yeah. can be a fucking single star. That makes sense. So so nine times out of ten, I would say, oh, they pulled this one out of their ass, or they booked themselves into a corner. But I, I think this is just a transitional plan for, mm. for Daniels to t- kind of take it easier. 
Yeah, and they already peeled Scorpio Sky off in another direction. So, yeah. I guess that makes sense. I have a little bit of an issue with that, though, because they acted this week like Scorpio Sky was never part of SCU. Like, all the vignettes and all the promos, not once did I ever hear Scorpio Sky's name. Which was interesting, because they also didn't bring up the fact that SCU were the first AEW tag champs. Well, it's because the first AEW tag champs was Frank and Scorpio, not Frank and Daniels. But that was very... But and I, this was in my um, my notes for the opening match. For the US title match? No, not the opening match. I'm sorry. For the match that I covered. Match number two. Um, you can't... You know, how very WWE, though, to just act like something never happened. That, that's the kind of way I took it. Like, you didn't even mention oh, no. Scorpio Sky once. Like, I get it. It doesn't fit the narrative right now, but... Yeah, I mean, the, the focus is on Daniels and Kazarian. That's fine. And again, Daniels wasn't a tag champ. It was Kazarian and, and Scorpio. And yeah, Scorpio but it would not, be like if the Scorpio's New Day. The if, it would be like if they brought up, you know, old feuds with the New Day and just <clears> didn't bring up Piggy. It's like okay, but you know, whatever. I don't know. All right. Speaking of dynamite, are we live this week? Did we figure that out yet? Because I know they're going to tell us where, that they were live, but they were live this week. Okay. I have a hard time believing anything they say. <laughs> they were live for, for both hours. Actually, they told us they were live last week, and they lied to us. They were only live for half. They were half live. If that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dinamite, episode 85. We open with a split screen of Moxley and Nagata warming up backstage, and then we go to the opening video. JR welcomes us to Jacksonville, and we are actually live from Daly's Place. We are opening with the IWGP United States Championship match. We watch Nagata walk from wherever he was to Gorilla so that Excalibur has time to explain to us who he is. JR makes sure to note that Yuji Nagata has not appeared on TNT in 23 years. John Moxley enters to Wild Thing. Sal, I wrote this before you texted. Uh, before you texted, is this a Japan thing, or did Tony Khan license another song? Well, the couple of matches I saw when Mox first left the WWE and he went to fight in um, the G1 Climax that year in 2019, he definitely didn't come out to that. So I don't know if he is now, but but I hate it. It's awful. Okay. I was kidding, but but I'm also being serious. I've heard that song in at least 80 different commercials or, you know, comedy TV series or movies or that song is one of the most overdone um, songs in the history of cinema, in my opinion. And then what's the, what's the first movie you think of? Oh, the one that, um, that Henry said, the, um, uh, not Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Which which one is it? Shit. No, I didn't. I don't. I don't know. For me, it's Major League. Major League. That was it. Yes, with Charlie Sheen. Because that's the one. Yeah, of course. That is the one. But it's also, I, like, I never liked that song to begin with. But also, what really we're gonna go like back to like the '60s for a theme song, and it's not even a good one. Like, no, please don't have him that be that. Please don't have that be his regular theme song. I also like JR throw, immediately throwing out how old he is, going, Was that the Torx? Or whatever fucking band <laughs> name he said. 
Also, shouldn't Justin Roberts, who should have been suspended, announce him as the Death Rider? Since it's an IWGP match. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Bryce shows off the belt and the bell rings. Face to face we go as Excalibur explains IWGP title match rules with a 60-minute time limit and a 20-count outside the ring. Back out of the corner, and Nagata no-sells a clothesline. We come to mid-ring. Moxley hits a kick to the gut, but Nagata comes back with a clothesline of his own in a kitchen sink, and Moxley hits the floor. Outside, Moxley sends Nagata into the post, as they're sure to tell us that Cody was also an IWP United States champion, as was Lance Archer. Moxley hits a diving knee and returns to the ring, leaving Nagata on the floor. Tony announces that AEW is resuming touring in July. Visit AEWTix.com for more information. <clears throat> Back in the ring, Moxley nails a quick elbow drop for a one count. We see Rocky Romero in the crowd, and then Lance and Archer and Jake. Uh, Moxley with some kicks to Nagata's chest, and that gets a two count. Moxley attempts to remove Nagata's nose, then he goes up top. Nagata catches the flying nothing, but Moxley elbows out of the suplex. Nagata with kicks of his own now, then he sends Mox into the corner for a big boot and an exploder suplex for two. Uh, Mox blocks a suplex, so Nagata lays in some forearms off the ropes. Nagata ducks a clothesline, hits a drop kick to the leg, and then more kicks. We trade forearms in the middle of the ring. Nagata hits the ropes. Mox avoids the boot and nails a German off the ropes with the lariat, and Nagata kicks out at two. Uh, Nagata blocks a pile driver and backdrops out of it. A kick sends Moxley back to a corner for a running knee to the face. Uh, then Nagata puts, puts Mox up top. A super exploder, Mox gives the double bird as Nagata kicks him in the chest, and then he kicks out at two. Uh, Mox locks on a sleeper hold, but Nagata drops out and turns it into an arm bar. Mox gets a foot on the bottom rope. Back to slugging it out, Mox is bleeding from the cheek, it appears. A sliding lariat gets a two for Moxley, and he goes for the bulldog choke. It goes back to a sleeper, and Nagata breaks free. Uh, awkward selling on some strikes, and Mox hits either a butterfly suplex or a paradigm shift and pins Nagata for three. He didn't flip him over onto his back. It was it did it did end up being a paradigm shift. Meh, Nagata kind of did a front flip. Uh, I wrote, well, that was underwhelming. What'd you think? Okay, a couple things just to just to tie up the loose ends. Um, the most recent time that Wild Thing was used was in a 2020 Geico commercial. Okay. Also. It was used primarily as the entrance song for Japanese deathmatch legend Osh, Osh, I'm sorry, oh, Asushi Onida. Oh, okay. So maybe that was an homage to him? I don't know. Again, I just don't want to see it on Dynamite next week. Okay, so this match, right? And I, I was very vaguely familiar with Nagata, um, and I had to look up some things on him on... on online today to find out that yes he is a former two-time iwgp heavyweight champion both title reigns came about 15 years ago if not more uh, i think it was 2002 and 2007 so it's been a while but i'm watching this match and i don't mean to sound disrespectful because i'm sure nagata is a legend in japan but i'm sitting here going Oh, this is kind of like Kurt Angle's farewell tour in 2019, right? When he would fight, like, Rey Mysterio and stuff. But he wasn't really good anymore. But everybody was like, yeah, yeah, Kurt Angle, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's how I took it. Because, I mean, I don't know. Nagata didn't sell anything, which I guess that's typical. He's 53. Yeah. He didn't really... I didn't really do anything. It was just kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot here. I didn't, uh, I did kind of like Eddie Kingston walking to the ring with Mox while he's, uh, got the belt around his neck. 
But uh, <sighs> I wonder. I wonder if they will like. What do you call it? Um, part of the deal with New Japan was like you have to feature our U.S. title like once every two months, and they're like, <sighs> "All right." <laughs> now apparently this this was set for. I'm not forgetting the name of the New Japan show. Uh, and Moxley, and it was Moxley's idea. He just went, what, what if we do it on Dynamite? Sure. And they were like, okay, sure. We get uh, we get mutual respect, and then we promote tonight's card. Then we go to Alex Marvez in the inner circle. I did all. appreciate the bow, the deep bow from Moxley. I thought that was a nice, you know, that was, sure, that sure, was sure. respectful. Uh, well, three of the inner circle, anyways. Uh, Marvez asks them what's next. Ortiz says Max is a piece of shit and says Santana was detained for stabbing Max with a fork last week. Uh, as per usual, TNT fails to bleep properly. Uh, Hager demands another match. Uh, Sammy says this feud will never end and says tonight won't be the p- coronation of the pinnacle. It'll be the funeral. They'll put them in the grave. They'll put them in the grave. Um, okay. Couple this things. Was fairly lame. This was fairly weird because <clears> I expected <throat> Jericho not to be there. So that's fine. But then they're like, and also we're very mad at you for what you did with Santana when you had him arrested for using a fork. We are very upset that that's why he's not here tonight. And I'm like, that's the excuse you came up with why he's not here tonight? Uh, Tony says Jericho dislocated his elbow after last week's fall. I've also heard reports uh, that it was possibly uh, broken. Uh, and here comes Cody. Like Scalibur says, we'll hear from Cody after the break. Uh, uh, we were... So, like you said, it was it was pretty lame from yeah. Sammy and especially Hager because Hager, Jake Hager, really tried. I will give him credit; he tried during this <laughs> promo, but his delivery still came off like, "Yeah, we're the inner circle." Woo! Straws, straws, straws. Shots, shots, shots. Sorry. We return and get right to business. Cody says the patriotism is old hat and that it's out of style. Then he starts talking about politics. This is already getting weird. Uh, he says that Anthony Agogo has verbally buried the United States. <sighs> We're shooting, brother. Uh, which is funny because he's got a work visa and he's working for American money. Uh, he talks about how America is where he can be free to say such things. Uh, he talks about the American dream, then mentions how great English wrestlers are. Now we're talking about Willie Nelson in 1986. Uh, then he gives us a history lesson about professional wrestling. Now we're talking about segregation and how great Cody is for marrying a black woman and knocking her up. What the fuck is this promo? Uh, he didn't just lay down in defeat when a foreign flag was laid atop him. He got up and fought back at double or nothing in front of a sold-out super spreader. I mean, crowd. Cody will be the American dream for one night only. The fuck was this? Okay. I can understand um, if you were a little bit thrown by it or confused. But did you hate it? Because I didn't hate it. Because I thought... Like, I I'll, wouldn't I'll... say that I hated it, it was, but it was fucking weird. See, I didn't... <sighs> I, okay, I will admit that I was confused initially because I was like, where are we going? I was a little bit apprehensive about what his content was. 
Um, especially given the fact that they're in redneck capital of the world, Jacksonville. And I'm like, oh my God, where, what are we doing right now? But then I, honestly, I forgot that Anthony Adogo attacked him last week and put him under the Union Jack. So I'm like, okay. He's like going at a go-go and he's trying to be like topical, but I don't mind it. I honestly don't. And I know that there's a certain self-servingness to Cody. There always has been. That's one way to put it. But I don't necessarily, like, hate the fact that he was like, you know, I'm a white man, I married a black woman, and our daughter's going to be, you know, a princess no matter... Like, I can, I can as a father, I can respect... Um, him kind of like putting putting it out there like that. Do you know what I mean? Was it necessary? Probably not. But I didn't. I didn't hate it. I think a lot of people online have a lot stronger opinions one way or the other than I do about this promo. Um, but yeah, uh, it was. You know, I thought he tied it in nicely at the end when. when... The only thing is. He said that for one night only I'm going to be the American Dream because he's fighting against the evil foreigner, which is what Anthony Agogo's character is. My only issue with that is he also specified that I'm not talking about attire and gear. It goes deeper than that. It's about spirit. I'm like, oh, so you're already telling us you're not coming out in polka dots, but maybe you'll come out to the music or something? <laughs> no, he's definitely not doing that either. Well... I don't know. Maybe he'll have a picture of him on his, on his Tron. So, oh yeah, that's the other thing too. When when Nagata came out for the opening match, Tony Schiavone said WCW on air. Is that the first time they've done that? Like, not that company we used to work for. Not that not that old promotion where I met you, Jr. Not fucking blood and guts that we called in 87, he actually said WCW. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Which, I mean, as long as they don't fucking try to make money off those three letters, I'm sure they can say it on air. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it... The promo... This promo started weird, like you said. And to me, it didn't really recover, because it just kept being weird. Like... Because, like I said, he talks about being being patriotic and how 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 weird that is right now with everything that's going on with you know the election and uh, like specifically like mentioning current events that are fairly controversial. Right, and uh, but, but you got to give him credit for not being afraid to do that, right? Like, like I said, in front of a Jacksonville crowd, I'm surprised he went there in some aspects. Yeah, you'd think it's almost, you know, not the time or the place. <laughs> um, I, yeah, talking about Anthony Agogo, the evil foreigner who who should appreciate it because he's working for American money and he has an American work visa, which kind of just makes him sound like an asshole. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, talking na naming, like, great English wrestlers from history – Talking about Willie Nelson. That made no... Well, that's the other thing. He said... And then and then Bruno Sammartino. Like, what the fuck? Didn't he just... say, 
1985, I was a Willie Nelson fan. Isn't that the line he said word for word? In, ni- in 1985, he was one. He was born. Right. So that's why I was like, wait, because I looked it up right after no, he, he said, said that. Because he said, like, yeah, I did too. Because he said, no, no, in 1986, Willie Nelson had a song or something, oh, okay, or something like whatever. that. Whatever. Dude, you were one. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, it's going from segregation to, but it's cool because I knocked up a black chick. Okay, I mean that's a that's that's not exactly. It was weird. <laughs> it was weird. He he didn't just knock up a black chick. I mean he he made a black woman his wife, oh, and they're having married a child. Her married so. her first. <laughs> Anyway, That's JR then sends us to a video on SCU and the Bucks and their friendship. Such drama, very friendship. Wow. Oh my god, their kids play together, you know. And it is tag title time. It is indeed. AEW Tag Team Champions. The Young Bucks versus SCU. Uh, SCU make their way to the ring as the announcers try to pretend it's between these two. It, it, try to pretend it's been these two and these two only for the past twenty years. That was my Scorpio Sky thing from from earlier. Um, the Bucks come out in more expensive gear than last week, accompanied by the Good Brothers. Bell rings and Frankie and Nick start off. They yeah, change. They, for- they've still they've still got their Seth Rollins jackets, but now they're red and gold. Which Seth Rollins is a red and black, but that's fine. Whatever. Also, JR mentions that uh, that uh, SEO have been undefeated for 10 straight weeks, but not that we fucking know because it doesn't happen on fucking cable. So. You should watch the YouTube shows. <laughs> That's probably their attitude yeah. towards all of their fans who watch Dynamite. Like, I, so I, should you. I'm not kidding you. Their snarkiness, like Tony Khan and JR, are probably like, well, goddammit, don't you watch Dark? What's the matter with you? We got to tell you everything on Dynamite? Jesus! <laughs> Uh, okay, so they chain for a moment until Nick slaps Kaz across the face. Ooh, <clears throat> shit. Guess what? Frankie gets pissed. <gasps> Chases Nick around. Frankie catches up with them and lays him out with a knee lift and then a stiff clothesline. Is that weird to you? That he chased Nick? No, we get we get the chase spot, but nothing comes of it. Nick didn't take advantage when they slid back into the ring. No, they instead, no. They slid back into the ring. Yeah, they slid back into the ring. Lift. And, yeah, and... and f- Frankie basically caught him. It's the way I saw it. He hit someone with a knee lift. Most of the time when that happens, they'll slide back in the ring and the heel will go, ha-ha, and stomp on him as the face slides back in. That is true. And that probably would have been a be- much better, you know, visual. But I think they wanted Frankie to get, you know, the upper hand first. Uh, because they they beat the shit out of Nick for a good two to three minutes. <laughs> double team move after double team move. Even Don Callis. Even the invisible hand gives them credit and says they had an excellent game plan. Uh, This game plan works fine until Nick whips Daniels into the ropes and Matt backdrops him outside to the floor. Here's here's what I wrote for the beginning of that. Uh, Off the ropes for some double teaming, then Matt comes in to get double teamed, and Rick Knox, the tag team specialist, just looks confused. I've given up on Rick Knox. I didn't want to say much. There was so much double teaming in this match by both teams. I know. I know. I don't, I don't, so after the past couple of weeks, I've decided that I'm not even, I'm, I'm going to ignore the refs as much as I can. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I just, I hate them. All of them. Uh, so Nick tags in Matt and Matt drops Frankie with a clothesline 
And then Matt does uh, Macho Man Randy Savage taunts. Uh-huh. Like if you hit R on the controller. Seriously. <laughs> yep. Ooh, yeah. I'll say I shouldn't do that. I'll fuck up my voice band. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Then Matt fucking power bombs Daniels on the apron. Like Kevin Owens style. Mm-hmm. Uh, they punish Daniels further. Matt hangs Daniels off the apron and then holds him so that Nick and him would have flipping sent on. And that takes us to box. Back from box so we can see SCU double team Nick now. They hit a double team sit down powerbomb on Nick Jackson for a two count. They set up Nick for the best moves for the BME driver. Yes. Sorry, I wrote Matt comes in to stop more double teaming and he gets double teamed himself. Yes. Uh, they set up Nick for the BME driver, but Matt knocks Daniels off the turnbuckle to the floor. Where where, where did they set up for the BME driver? In the corner. In the Bucks fucking corner. <laughs> Stupid idiots. Yes. Yes, that is true. Uh, let's see. Here. Matt then tries to take a shot at Frankie, but Kazarian avoids it and drops Matt with a guillotine leg drop through the ropes. I didn't mind that spot. That's like an old RVD spot. Uh, Nick charges in with two Garmin Gearies. And after a quick flurry of offense, he drops Kaz with an X-Factor. Slingshot X-Factor. Slingshot. You know what? You're right. It was a slingshot X-Factor. Uh, Nick then rolls to the outside to superkick Daniels. Against the ring post. He does, and Daniels goes headfirst into the ring post. <laughs> Surprise! Christopher Daniels is busted wide open. Bleeding profusely. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Nick admires his handiwork, but then he gets caught by Kazarian and Kaz hits a slingshot into a cutter, which I thought was nice. Mm -hmm. That gets a two count. Frankie checks on Daniels, kind of, like he goes to the ropes and he's like, hey man, what's going on? And meanwhile, Daniels is just gushing, like pretty close to Dustin Rhodes that one time. Um... Matt tags in and throws Kaz into the corner with a buckle bomb, and at the same time, Nick hits an enziguri. I think we've seen them do that, but I liked it. Mm. Matt and Nick go for more bang for your buck, but Frankie escapes and locks Matt in a pinning combination. Nick tries to break it up, but... Ka- oh, I'm sorry, Matt tries to break it up. No, wait. No, you were right the first time. Yes, Nick tries to break it up, but Kaz grabs Nick and hits a Northern Light suplex... And then pins them both at the same time, which is not only illegal, but also very illogical if you stop to think about it. Fucking stupid. (laughs) I instantly hated that. It was pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. Uh, Surprise, the Bucks kick out because one man the size of fucking Kaz can't hold down two men. So, (laughs) while they contort it. But anyway. Uh, Frankie then backdrops Nick to the ramp and then traps Matt with an inside cradle. But Gallows, Anderson, and Cutler apparently distract uh, Rick Knox. And there's no count. By the way, JR loses his fucking shit over this. (laughs) Hey, Raph! Hey, Raph! What are you doing, Raph? Kaz fights back, and then to and then in what becomes a very nice homage to his longtime best friend, Kaz hits a Styles Clash. Mm-hmm. I like that. It was very nice. And they call it a Styles Clash. Thank you, Excalibur. 
Uh, one, two, no. Nick breaks it up. I knew that was only because that's only because that's the only name only name that move has. Well, I, I I thought it was the Faith Breaker. Didn't Michelle McCool used to do that? <laughs> Shut your face. <laughs> Remember when Taker was fighting AJ and he said that in that um in that promo he was like, "Yeah, Alan, you're just mad because my wife does the faith breaker better than you." <laughs> uh, Cass tries a slingshot cutter on Nick, but Nick blocks it, and Cass turns right into a super kick from Matt. Matt then hits a tombstone pile driver, and Nick follows up with a super kick. He covers, but Daniels breaks it up. Daniels hits the angel wings out of desperation. That sends Nick to the outside. He then drags Frankie to the corner so he can tag himself in. He tags in, but immediately gets speared by Nick Matt Jackson because he was dizzy and groggy and had blood in his eyes? Yep. Then why'd you tag yourself in, dude? Uh, Matt rains down punches on the gash that is above Daniels' left eye. Uh, He goes for a super kick, but Daniels avoids it. He goes for the angel wings... But Matt backdrops him back down. Daniels bleeding all over Matt Jackson's shoes. Nice visual of the camera. Oh, look, the camera knows how to do a tight shot there. <laughs> Can't do it when Jericho's falling off a cage, but never mind. Um, Matt points at the blood on his shoes, and then we get a close-up of Matt Jackson's face where he fake cries and says, I'm sorry, I love you. And nails another super kick. Let me guess, you hated that. So stupid. I liked it. I thought it was kind of funny. It was good for a heel, I'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, He covers, but Daniels kicks out and hits a Uranagi. This is one of the reasons why I think he is trying to scale back his in-ring action. He goes for the BME, but stumbles off the turnbuckle. Due to loss of blood? The announcers try to say. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes up again. He hits the BME. Daniels covers, but Nick makes the save. Yeah. The fact that they went right back to it and he hits the second one tells me that the first one was actually a botch. Absolutely. But I thought, you know what? I will give credit to Shivani and Excalibur, who immediately were like, oh, he's just too he's just too weary, man. He's lost <clears throat> too, too much blood. It's too woozy. Yeah, he's just too woozy. He's lost too much blood. Um, okay. This was this was really weird. Daniels covers, but Nick makes the save. Daniels then clotheslines Nick over the top rope, and then he, for some reason, he has to drop Carl Anderson, who's on the apron, and he goes to pick up Matt, but Matt apparently has a can of cold spray in his hand now sprays Daniels in the eyes, and then this part drove me nuts. He sprays Daniels in the eyes, and Brandon Cutler, who's on the outside, also takes a can of cold spray and sprays it in Daniels' direction. And I'm like, what's that going to do, stupid? You're not, you're like 10 feet away from him? It's because Cutler's an idiot. Fucking idiot. Um... Matt super kicks Frankie off the apron and then hits Daniels in the head with the cold spray can. Mm-hmm. What? The, really? A cold spray can? Wasn't finished. No. Well, <laughs> did you bite? Not really. Okay. Matt tags in Nick as Frankie crawls. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. Skipped a little bit there. Uh, Matt covers, but somehow, some way, 
Daniels kicks out. Uh, notwithstanding Excalibur doing his best Morrow impression, being like, <laughs> no, not like this! <laughs> Tell me it's not going to end this way! Um, Matt, tags, Matt tags in Nick... And then Frankie Kazarian does something very strange, and I'm wondering if it's going to be storyline. He kind of backs up and sells up the ramp. Yeah, I noticed that. I'm assuming he was supposed to be down there, and then realized like he wasn't, so he kind of like made it a little bit too obvious. But I'm like, why are you backing up selling when your partner's in the ring about to get pinned? So I'm wondering if they do end up making a storyline. Um, Young Bucks call for it. They hit the BTE trigger. At this point, Frankie's like, oh, shit, and decides to charge down to the ring, but it's too late. Matt covers Daniels. Nick intercepts Kazarian, and Matt gets the three counts. Shocked. You're winners, and still AEW World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks... And now SCU is broken up. Thoughts on the match? Who could have seen that coming? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it was a it was a unsurprisingly good match, uh, minus some of the stupid heel shit that the Bucks feel the need to do now, um, like the cold spray, like the "I'm sorry, I love you," but not bad. I like the match. Not perfect, but not bad. I I like the match. I kind of had a feeling Daniels was going to take the pin. I'm fine with it as far in that regard. Um, I just don't get why Kazarian was on the stage when that move occurred. <laughs> Unless he did it on purpose and they turned it into a story. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, but yeah, the Bucks did everything I thought they were supposed to do, especially as far as heels. I liked the I'm sorry, I love you. I did not care for the cold spray because... I didn't even know they that that was like part of their creative character. Do you know what yeah, I mean? No, like something that that Brandon Cutler started doing this week, so that they had a reason to have it out there or something. I don't know. Like no, like in No Mercy, like you know how like Cactus Jack's gonna come with the barbed wire baseball bat, and like Jeff Jarrett's gonna come with the guitar. Like I didn't know that the Bucks came with fucking Colts break hands. No. Um, the Elite run away with their belts. And Kaz does his best shocked and confused face. <gasps> what do we do now? This company has enough singles wrestlers. <laughs> You're not kidding. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I didn't mind it. I thought it was. I thought it was good. Um, but yeah, like you said, it is now official. They are broken up. Mm-hmm. Not 100% sure what we do with that now, but I guess we'll find out. Because, you know, we have so much TV time to give Kazarian a 10-minute segment to explain what's next for him. Oh, wait, they won't do that. We just won't see them for the next, like, four weeks or something. Uh, Right after we see Kazarian's, like, his O face, for lack of a better term. Um, we go backstage to Kingston and Moxley. Okay. 
They then destroy the elite's private dressing room because because they're disgusted by what they just witnessed. So, wait. <laughs> so they chose to go and invade the elite's locker room and destroy it because they're such good friends with SCU? <sighs> I mean, they've been feuding with them for the past month. Mox and Kingston have been feuding with the Bucks, but... Where was Kenny? Kenny's too important to be involved in this shit. Where was M.T. Nakazawa? With Kenny, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Then Dasha interviews Christian Cage. My favorite part of that was uh, Kingston basically telling Moxley to go have explosive diarrhea in the bathroom. Yes. Because it's funny, you say. Um, yeah, so Dasha interviews Christian. Uh, Taz, no one denies at one point in time you were a bad, bad man, which is funny because that's the exact same thing he said a couple weeks ago. Uh, you send me, you send any member of Team Taz into the ring, and I'll be standing there, but a double or nothing... I'm throwing my hat into the Casino Battle Royal. You know, the famous one that um, that is at every double or nothing now? So that it's quickly becoming the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. What did you think of Christian's promo? It was all right. Eh. Fair to Midland. Uh, Matt Seidel interrupts him, and he has a surprise for him next week. Evan Bourne versus Christian. I'm sure those two fought fought on Raw at some point. Yeah, you're not going to face a member of Team Taz next week because I already signed the open contract. And then I'm going to win the the Casino Battle Royal. Yeah, okay, buddy. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. I used to to really enjoy Evan Bourne. Mm Mm-hmm. And even for a little bit when he was Matt Seidel, I thought he was all right. But he's not a tough guy, mm-hmm. and his voice doesn't make him sound like a tough guy. So when he cuts a promo like that, it's not believable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be yeah. the one that wins the Casino Battle Royale. All right, kid. Sure you are. All right, kid. Come down. No more ice cream for you. Here's a deli bar. Go sit in the corner. <laughs> uh, what is next? Is it our Eliminator match? Yeah. Yep, to the ring for our number one contenders match. Uh, Orange Cassidy enters and sends the rest of the best friends to the back. Uh, his opponent is my newest AEW figure find, Pac. Uh, Orange puts his elbow pad on, the bell rings, we face off. Pac takes off his sunglasses and puts them on Pac, so Pac breaks them. Which, again, is what I thought uh, Kenny Omega was going to do last week, but he didn't. Cassidy goes for pockets, Pac goes for a clothesline, Orange ducks the clothesline, hits the beach break, and gets a two count. Uh, Pack hits the floor, Orange does pockets, and then Topes Pack before putting on his backup sunglasses. I was, Orange, I was ready to be so mad because when they had Pack break his sunglasses, I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. And then he hit him with the beach break, and I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Orange shoves Pack into the barricade, and we go to half box. 
When we return, we're still outside. Pack breaks the count and hurls Orange into the barricade. Then he does it again. Excalibur says this match is so high stakes that they're going to stick with the action throughout. You literally just did half box. Like, yeah. 30 seconds ago. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Back in the ring, Pack drives his knee and shin into the side of Orange's head. Then he goes to the top. He dives with a drop kick, then kips up and gets an Aubrey's face. Pack goes up again for another drop kick. Then he goes up again and gets a third drop kick, and he gets a cover for a two. Pack goes up again, and Orange rolls across the ring. So Pack runs across the ring and stomps on him. Pack goes up again, and Orange rolls again, this time under the turnbuckles, where he looks up and gives the half thumb. Pack grabs him. He throws Pack into the buckles. We go across. A Casadora gets a two. Pack hurls Cassidy into the ropes for a thrust kick and then folds Orange in half with a Liger bomb. Orange rolls to the floor and we buy time by going to box. You want to talk about it now? Or you want to talk about it at the end? And now we'll talk about it at the end. <laughs> okay. When we return, Pack is taunting the crowd. Orange is still getting checked on in the corner. And Callus comes out to yell at Pack and buy more time. Omega sneaks into the ring to nail Pack from behind with the title. Both men are down. Aubrey starts counting. And that's your finish. A double countout. As what happens with every number one contender match that ends in a, tr- in a draw, the heel claims to have the night off at the pay-per-view, and then an official comes out and makes it a triple threat match. Uh, unfortunately, in this case, the official is Tony Schiavone, who is acting as a messenger for Tony Khan. <laughs> uh, um, okay, let's talk about the match before we get to Tony. So, I, enjoyed... I was expecting I was expecting a lot more from this. I'm not surprised with how we how we end. Look, everybody always says, and, and I've been one to say it myself. Hey, AEW gives us finishes to matches. Uh, not here. Nope. They went very, very WWE on this one. I'm not. I'm not just saying I expected much more because it got cut short. The, what what match we did get was was very was not uh, not up to the level that I was expecting from these guys. I, how many times can Pack go to the top rope? Well, not only that, in they a, had a, a better row. match on Dynamite a few months ago. Yeah. Whatever it was, fucking and a the, year ago, but and at the pay per view, yep. But so this was um, just eh. <clears throat> so uh, we, can, we can talk about this now. This this did get cut short. Yep. Uh, the uh, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed in terms of the booking. Uh, the plan, the original plan, was apparently going to be a twenty minute draw, and then have the announcement of it being a, a triple threat at the pay per view. Um, but when uh, when Pack got fucked, they sent Omega out with the uh, they called an audible, sent Omega out for the for the belt shot to knock Pack out, and we got the the, the double ten count that way. Um, neither is really uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, decent as an ending, um, but so it know. was Pack that got hurt. Uh, Cassidy, sorry. Cassidy, okay, that makes more sense. I just wrote the wrong name here and ran with it in my head because I typed quickly. Because um, what I wrote was, is this the original plan or is, co- or is this covering for something in case Pack is fucked and I'm going to throw Cassidy? But, yeah. Um, so that, yeah, so then what happens? <laughs> uh, anyway, the heels leave. We go back to the Bucks and the Brothers in the locker room. They're well, mad no, that they're... Okay, hold on. For... <laughs> What? You said that what happens. I mean, we talked about Tony Schiavone already. No, we didn't talk about Tony. We stopped when Schiavone... Well, I mean, you said what Schiavone did, but just to kind of go into a little bit more detail about cares? it. Because Schiavone was like... 
Um, hold on, hold on. I've received an email from our anonymous, non-anonymous general manager, Tony Khan. And then Kenny's like, no, no, you shut up, Tony Schiavone. No, no, I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> and like you said, just like we do at every fucking triple threat match. And, or, I'm sorry, every double count out or, or draw for a number one contenders match. You will face Pac and you'll face Orange Cassidy. What? I'm going back to Winnipeg. Okay. To be fair, last week I said Pac better win or I'd be really mad. And you said prepare to be mad. I'm not mad. Well, I said prepare to be mad because I thought they were going to have Orange Cassidy win. Yes. But I, see, but now I'm not mad because now we'll get a triple threat. And I'm fine with that. It's better than Pack versus, I'm sorry, uh, Omega versus Cassidy for the mm. fucking world title. I suppose. Uh, okay, yes, then what happened? Okay. I'm out of tea, so I have a cough drop. I apologize. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, we go back to the Bucks and the brothers in the locker room. They're mad that their locker room is destroyed. Gallows asks Matt what they're going to do about it, and Matt decides to talk about SCU. <clears throat> Next week, he says they'll take on the number one contenders, who he thinks are the Varsity Blondes. Uh, then he challenges Mox and Kingston to a match at double or nothing, and we go to break. Yes. And the, then... The fact that the Varsity Blondes are number one contenders is uh, just funny to me. Well, the Bucks have beat everybody else. So hmm. there. And do you think that's going to be a title match at Double or Nothing? Or just a, just a grudge match? Oh, between um, the Bucks and Mox and Kingston? Yeah. Probably non-title. So and Mox and Kingston can win? Yeah, and they'll twist it like, you don't deserve a title match. And then that will allow them to get a title match in two weeks on Dynamite, uh, two weeks after Double Another, which they will lose. When we come back, we go to Marvez in the Dark Order and Hangman Page. Marvez asks Page about Cage and how he fell from first to fifth in the rankings. Uh, the, I need that. Stop moving it. The Dark Order reassure him. Page says it's fine. It was bound to happen. But maybe it wasn't Cage that beat him. Maybe it was Taz. If he knows Brian Cage like he thinks he does, he doesn't think Cage would be too satisfied with that victory. So maybe he and Cage should have another match. Actually, one-on-one, -on -one, without Taz, without Starks, more on that later, or anyone else, and see what happens. Double or nothing. Uh, John Silver goes crazy about how that's the name of the pay-per-view and how smart Page was for uh, coming up with that and working that into his promo. And we go to the ring for the coronation of the pinnacle. I really like that. Uh, first of all, I like the promo by Page. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, you know, and he wasn't, he, he, I appreciate that he's not like screaming or like trying to cut like the generic, like good guy promo. He's just like, why don't you leave Taz and meet me one-on-one -on -one in the ring and earn your spot? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He wasn't, I, he wasn't pissed off. He wasn't upset. He's like, Hey, it was going to happen sooner or later. I was the number one contender. That's yeah. That's what happens. And then he's like, and if I lose, I can totally accept that. If it's just me versus you, fine. So let's do this again. And for you, it really is. Double or nothing. And Silver's like, hey, that's the name of the paper. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> I got a, I, I know I shouldn't because it's dumb, but I got a really big kick out of that. So to the pinnacle, MJF enters in a crown as we go to replays from last week. 
There are hotties who hold the ropes open for the boys, and MJF has a microphone. He says, now he's the demo god, he's the king of AEW, and he's the greatest of all time. Uh, Sean Spears Mohawk, no longer blonde, by the way. Uh, MJF takes credit for AEW ranking number one on cable last week and for ranking number one on TSN in Canada. Well, that was because of the Canadian god, Sean Spears. Oh, okay. Real quick. So, first of all, I liked MJF coming out in a crown. I thought that was funny. Um, but he goes, you don't, you do not boo the pinnacle. You bow to the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. And then, not a bad line. Not a bad line. Um, and I liked how he took credit for the number one rated show on cable, all that stuff, because that's what a heel should do. And he did it in a way that wasn't like when Jericho used to do it, when he was like, I'm responsible for the demo. I don't know. It was just the way MJF delivered it was just better. Mm-hmm. But uh, he goes, we were number one on TSN because we had an absolute legend from Canada in the ring. And the camera goes to Sean Spears. And we get a close-up, we get a tight shot on Sean Spears, and he's like, Sean Spears! And I go, oh, you fucking ruined the joke. <laughs> you keep the fucking shot normal on the hard cam, and then he points to Spears, well, and a, then you go to a close-up of Spears. He's the only Canadian in the ring. <sighs> so of course it's going to be him. I know, but he, they, they went to Spears before. You think he's going to say Jericho? I don't fucking think so. No, but that was the implication because he was fucking with the fans. You have to pause when you say something like that. You have to be like the greatest Canadian of all time, Sean Spears. It's a a timing thing. It's a timing thing. Uh, Let's see. The inner circle down to two men. Oh, go ahead. Yes, Yes, MJF doesn't understand why the inner circle would want a rematch when they're down to two guys. Oh, we're sorry. When they're down two guys. Uh, He says uh, he asks the crowd what they want and then doesn't care. Uh, in the background, Sean Spears tells the hotties to stop fucking talking as MJF hands the mic off to Tully. By the way, that? yes. Shut the fuck up. Um, hey, shut the fuck up. So, <laughs> let, me, let me, how stupid are fucking people in Jacksonville or wrestling fans in general? Because he goes, do you guys want to see a rematch? And I'm like, <laughs> don't do it don't do it Jacksonville and they'll yeah and I'm like you are fucking dumb <laughs> well too bad yeah good <laughs> fucking idiots they just fell right into that um yeah I I I, I liked MJF's promo here I thought mm-hmm. it was nice so he hands the mic to Tully. Tully says they took everything the inner circle could dish out last week, and they still came out on top. Holy They're... shit, Tully won the fucking world title from Dusty tonight, didn't he? <laughs> oh my god, he cut like a 20-minute promo. <laughs> They're at the top of the world, and they deserve the finest things. He bought them all Rolexes without saying the word Rolex. I got I need that. Uh, they have... <laughs> this killed me. They have five of the hottest women Jacksonville has to offer. And MJF <laughs> goes, eh. <laughs> eh. Yeah. Uh, and he spent thousands of dollars on these watches that are on the table. The watches will thousands. forever thousands, s- thousands of dollars. The watches will forever symbolize. I need that. Their greatness. Can you please move. Okay, for everybody at home, Adam is trying to negotiate with his big fluffy cat. Like, dude, pick him up and move him. What is wrong with you people? 
The watches will forever symbolize their greatness and will serve as a reminder that they are on top of the world. Then a clown car starts blowing its horn off screen somewhere. Before we even go there, I thought Tully cut a good promo. It was just weird because it was like, um, you know, you didn't win the match, right? It was the most emotional Tully Blanchard has ever been in AEW. Yeah, he was like screaming and he was like, and these fine gentlemen are at the top of this industry and I bought them all Rolexes, but I'm not supposed to say Rolex. <laughs> but, but for you, Max, a picture of myself. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yes. Then a clown car starts blowing its horn off screen somewhere. This makes Max angry, and the inner circle appear in some weird little vehicle. The cameraman inadvertently shows Jericho hiding behind Sammy before shuffling while live to hide him again. Jericho then suddenly appears from the back of the vehicle, arm in a full brace, to ask for a rematch. Max still says no, so Sammy sprays him with a hose. Tony laughs like this is the greatest thing he's ever seen. And then says out loud, this may be one of the greatest things he's ever seen. In the history of the sport. I mean, sure, if you were working Nitro the night Austin rammed the ring with a beer truck, then yeah, maybe you don't have a good point of reference. <laughs> Max is so mad that he accepts the match for double or nothing, but makes it a stadium stampede match and says if the inner circle loses, then they have to break up forever. A gimmick we literally did an hour ago. We're promised Thunder Rosa in action next, and we go to break. Literally thought that was the end of the show. <sighs> Double or nothing is two and a half weeks away. May 30th. Yes. So 17, 17 arm, days from now as we record this. Jericho's arm is going to be magically healed in 17 days. What kind of arm injury do you need that gimmick on your arm for? If you're only going to be injured for 17 days. That's two fucking weeks. Well, again, uh, earlier in the episode, Tony said it was a dislocated elbow. Yeah. I've read elsewhere it was a fractured elbow. Both would take you out for much longer <clears throat> than May 30th. You're so talking August. Fight, if that maybe was Jericho's fighting one-armed at Stadium Stampede. Maybe Jericho should fuck off! <laughs> I mean, that's always an option. Like, ugh. You know what? They should have did it all at all in. They should have kept this like we just did this. But we're going to no-sell every single bomb, including the pillow one. Uh, and, and everybody's going to be fine on the 30th. I hate that. If Blood and Guts is supposed to be a war, these guys should not be ready to fight in two weeks. Yeah, nobody be. nobody was showing any ill effects. Right. Except, except for Jericho's arm brace. And this is supposed to be a war. Like, I forget... Who, um, which WWE match it was, but it might have been Michaels and Triple H when they did the Hell in the Cell, and the, or no, they did the unsanctioned match. And like the next night on Raw, both of them were really fucked up. And I appreciated that because you're selling the match. You're selling the brutality. You're selling the violence. Nobody did any of that here. Or the night after an elimination chamber and makeup will give somebody a black eye. Yes. Fair. Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was, was no, nothing. There was nothing, and I absolutely hated that because you Pinnacle, built this. You know, Pinnacle was perfect. Sammy was fine. Ortiz was fine. Why was Pinnacle was perfect fine. when we saw everybody bleeding? Yeah. Shouldn't there have been cuts, bruises, fat lips, something? Can can one of you limp, please? Just somebody limp. Dude, give me. You know what? 
Give me the old school fucking one leg is bandaged and, and the guy's on crutches. <laughs> like, and it can be Spears or whatever. You know what I mean? Sammy uh, Guevara, he should have had a fucking. He should have had his head wrapped in gauze or at least, like, some type of fucking giant bandage. Like, give me something. And also, don't give me that fucking bullshit Santana got arrested. He's not here, he's not here. So he's too hurt to be here. But, like, this bullshit that, like, oh, I pressed charges on him during a match that had no rules. Shut up. <laughs> it's fucking awful. Look, look, Your Honor. I know it says, I know it was anything goes, but a fork is too far. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. When we come back from break, uh, Tony throws us to earlier today in a sit down interview with JR and Britt Baker. Uh, JR reminds Britt that it was just uh, over a year ago when Sheeta broke her nose. Uh, Britt says. <laughs> I, I understand the sentiment here, but Britt says pain can either hurt you or change you. No, it hurts you. That's why it's called pain. <laughs> uh, and ever since, she's been the baddest bitch on the block. It's poetic that the monster Sheeta created will be the one to dethrone her. Unless, of course, Sheeta kills her. In this company, it's a possibility. It's true. Apparently, there was a photo shoot for Forbes magazine where Britt got into a fight with Sheeta. JR says he thinks Sheeta may feel cornered and that the deck is stacked against her. Britt promises to bring the women's division back from the dead by winning the title at Double or Nothing. She guaranteed it. She's going to like the way you look. She said, I guarantee I will win at Double or Nothing. And you know what? I think she's right. <laughs> I think Britt Baker is going to be the best women's champion this company has ever seen. I hope so. I hope there it for it, man. I hope it doesn't go the way it normally does when a heel guarantees something. <laughs> well, it depends. Remember when Vince <clears throat> used to make his guarantees? <clears throat> There's that word again. Guarantee. All right. Up next, it's Thunder Rosa returning to Dynamite for the first time since the unsanctioned Lights Out match against Britt Baker. You know, the one she won. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Jasmine Allure. So, Thunder Rosa, first of all, looked pretty good. Um, Jasmine Allure, by the way, who's already in the ring, she gets the job or entrance. And the weakest intro ever. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, here's Jasmine Allure. Yeah, from wherever the fuck here's Jasmine. Yeah, from like New York, maybe I don't know, some type of East Coast shit. Here's Jasmine Lore. Okay, thanks, Justin. <laughs> uh, we circle. The bell rings. We circle. Rosa hits a knee to the gut and some strikes against the ropes. Uh, then corner shoulder blocks in the corner. Then she runs. That's that was redundant. My fault. Then she runs Allure into the next corner, chops in that corner. Then an Irish whip across is reversed. Allure hits an elbow, but Rosa. Pretty much no-sells it. Rolls out from under something else and hits a dropkick. Rosa hits a scoop slam and then a running senton and a two-count. Rosa seems to have trouble getting Allure into position, probably because Allure wasn't doing what she was supposed to, and she hits a weak-looking shoulder breaker that they try to sell as the biggest impact <laughs> move ever. Yeah, it was not That's great. that famous shoulder breaker! Stop not it. great. Uh, Rosa yells into the ringside camera. Next week, Serena Deeb defends the NWA Women's Championship against Red Velvet. 
Yay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Rosa won, and uh, it was pretty much a squash. No, mm-hmm. it was a squash. Why the fuck am I saying pretty much? It was a squash match. Nobody cares. Yeah, there's a minute and fifty three. And I like I like Thunder Rosa, but this, this there was nothing here. Not really. No, it was fucking pointless. Uh, also next week, uh, Bucks defend the titles against the Varsity Blondes. Christian versus Matt Seidel. Anthony and Gogo will take on Austin Gunn. Good night, Austin Gunn. Guarantee you he gets knocked out. Not not Tummy. Austin Gunn's going to catch one to the jaw. <laughs> and then he might have his jaw wired shut, which is not the worst thing in the world because the Austin Gunn gimmick with his jaw wired shut might be hilarious. Um, and then also... At Double or Nothing, Page versus Cage, Cody versus a Go-Go, Sheeta versus Baker, Pack versus Kenny versus Orange. But up next, it's your TNT title match. It's your main event. But before we do that, JR throws us to a pre-taped from earlier today with uh, Jade and Shivani. Yay. Uh, we flash back to Dark Elevation for Mark Sterling offering his services to Jade. That was the guy's name, Mark Sterling. I could not fucking yeah. think of his name for the life of me. What's his gimmick S- name? Mark Sterling. Yeah, but Esquire. what was his... Oh, Esquire, okay. Because he's the lawyer. Yes. Uh, oh, my God, who, he was MJF's lawyer, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Tony asked Jade who was going to handle her business, and Jade says she handles her own business. She masturbates a lot. Yes, she's listening to offers, but she's her own boss. She's... That bitch. What an absolutely pointless segment. <laughs> so, Mark Serling is not her manager. I, I no, don't they, it was just a pitch. That's what the gimmick was. It was just a pitch. I I don't understand the the entire point of this. I do. I know exactly what's going to happen. It's. Her looking for a manager while also actively saying she doesn't need a manager and that she doesn't want a manager, but maybe she'll get one? Yep, we're going to do all these things with crappy managers, and then she's going to show up like for her first match in like two months, and she's going to have Jake Roberts behind her, and he's going to go, you want to play 21? The best I got. It's the only reason I can think why they're doing this. <laughs> so weird. Bastinger. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, makes no sense. I, I I don't think they have anything to do with Jade. Like they don't know what to do with her because she's still very new and green. But they want to like have her on TV. So they're just like, let's do a uh, star search for a manager gimmick. Yeah. And everybody will like, because that's what's going to happen. Over the next couple of weeks, you'll see different people give her a pitch. It'll be like Vicky. And then, you know, I'm sure Taz will give her a pitch. Maybe fucking, um. Oh, Callus. God. Who? Callus. No, 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 no. The, the, not the world champ, no. Not she the world champ. The no, 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 she shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Arn will give her a pitch. How about that? Uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. Everybody's just going to be pitching at Jade Cargill. Yeah. Please, please, let me represent you. 
No, I'm that bitch. This is going to lead to her not getting a marriage. She's going to get a bodyguard, and that bodyguard's going to be awesome, Con. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> One moment. My snack collection is being rated. Okay. That is the symbol. Yes. Thank you. All right, so you don't want to talk about Darby's video? You're going to make me talk about Darby's video? Yes. I thought that was part of it. I thought that was part of his interest, to be honest with you. <laughs> it wasn't. It was weird. All right. Uh, <clears throat> up next, no for real this time, Darby versus Miro. Uh, when we return from break, a video from Darby. Someone asks him what his condition is after being thrown down the stairs. Darby says he doesn't have time to think about that. He dropped everything and went to Seattle after after Blood and Guts because that's where he grew up. He visits a skate warehouse that's a fucking dump uh, and asks Miro what he's done since he's been in AEW, which is nothing. He doesn't buy Miro's shtick, calls him a generic son of a bitch, and says he won't lose the title. All right. So that happened. Mm-hmm. Main event time set for one fall or TV time remaining. It is your TNT title match. Enter Miro, who has the TNT logo over his cock. Darby enters with Sting. Darby's got himself painted from the bottom half of his face down to the bottom of his chest. It's a different look, and I don't hate it. Hmm. Miro attacks as Darby goes to get in the ring and hurls him from pillar to post. He screams at Paul Turner to ring the bell, but Turner insists on checking on Darby. Was it last week? The week before, when there was a similar thing, and the referee was like, Nope, just start the match. It was last week. It was with Kingston. That's what it was, yeah. Because I was like, are they going to fucking ask him if he's ready? And they were like, nope. That's right, because, yeah, Kingston was in the ring and Moxley was dead. Kingston was pretty dead, too. They were just like, uh, yeah, ring the bell. Miro continues hurling Darby around on the floor and asks the camera if he's underwhelming. Sting. Sting just looks on. Okay, real quick. This had a lot of uh, Kevin Nash and Rey Mysterio vibes. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, he is... He is launching Darby like a fucking beanbag. If only we could have lawn darted Darby into something. Oh my god. <laughs> Miro clotheslines Darby over the barricade and smiles at Sting. Then he suplexes Darby back over the barricade and begs the crowd to chant. In the crowd, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page laugh. Back in the ring, Miro charges with a, uh, a knee in the corner and continues to scream at Paul Turner to ring the bell. Paul continues to check with Darby, who finally says okay. Miro with the running kick. That gets a two count. Miro celebrates anyway as Darby rolls to the floor. Where did that look make, make Miro look like a fucking moron? You're not wrong. It was very obviously a two count. Miro, Miro and he, he did this when he was Rusev, he teeters on that Braun Strowman level of intelligence. <laughs> uh, Miro yells at Turner instead of following up he finally hits the floor and Darby drop kicks him hard in the chest this staggers Miro but he does not go down so Darby drop kicks him again Miro blocks the stun dog but Darby drops out and shoves him into the turn post Darby then hits a tope a coffin drop gets caught and Miro Germans Darby on the floor and we go to box when we return Miro is laughing at Darby on the mat during the break Paige and Sky went after Sting Miro nails a big gut wrench slam on Darby then drags him to his feet for a bear hug Darby grabs the ropes. Miro drags him to the middle to lock it on again. Darby elbows out, then flips out of the back suplex, locks on a sleeper hold. He rides Miro like a backpack and drops Miro to a knee. Miro falls to the ropes, and we hit the floor. 
Darby goes back to the sleeper on the floor. Miro grabs the belt off the timekeeper's table, but Paul Turner pulls it away from him. Why? Miro then drives Darby into the wall in front of the stage. The belt spot was weird to me. It's not no DQ. Of course he's going to pull the belt away from him. It's, it's just weird to me because usually you don't see that where it doesn't actually do anything. That's true. Uh, Miro drags Darby back into the ring as Sting looks on, concerned. You say concerned, I say bored. I also say a little bit Dubots, like he doesn't know where he is. Miro starts working on the injured arm. He throws Darby's shoulder first into the middle turnbuckle, and he throws Darby's legs into the ropes, so Darby comes down on his head. Sting looks on, concerned. He and Darby fist bump. Sure. What the fuck was that? I don't. They were like I don't Darby know, has been they, getting they, the shit kicked out of him. They the had a little chit chat to the point where Darby's almost like I'm waiting for blood to start pouring out of his mouth, right? Like the whole internal bleeding gimmick, and then he just fist bumps Sting. They had, yeah, they had, they had a little chit chat. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Dad. You got this, son. You go get him, slugger. You can beat him, son. <laughs> go get him, slugger. Uh, anyway, uh, so they fist bump, and then Miro invites the offense. Uh, Darby slaps Miro, barely, and then hits a chop block and a stun dog. Small package gets a two. Darby with another stun dog, and he goes up top. Miro catches the cough drop once again, this time from the mat. Darby backflips out of the German without breaking his neck. Darby with a code red for two. Darby wants an armbar, but Miro picks the leg. He locks on the game over, and Darby goes unconscious. Your winner and new TNT champion is Miro. Sky and Page go after Sting because fuck your new champion. Dark Order chase off Sky and Page because fuck your new champion. Miro yells something at Darby and then at us, and here comes Lance Archer. Jake vaguely attempts to hold Lance off. Lance and Miro point at each other, and we go off the air. What he yelled, by the way, was, Rusev Krash! Rusev Budria, Rusev Machka. Yes. Uh, I like the match. I thought it was it was brutal. Darby mm-hmm. Darby took the exact beating I wanted him to take. Yeah. Um, and I definitely liked that Darby got his little hope spot at the end, but nah, too too much power. Locks him in that fucking accolade. Sorry, game over. Pulls him back. Wraps the legs. Darby looks like he's. Uh, a, a yoga instructor because the back of his head is practically touching his heels, and and he, I guess he, did he verbally give up or did he just die? <laughs> As Jr. Tony said that the the match was stopped because of the referee, so they 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 seem to make sure to mention that Darby did not submit that Paul Turner stopped the match. So. Well, I mean, it, it, it kind of was like the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens gimmick in NXT when. They were just like, okay, you know, <clears throat> Owens has beaten the shit out of Sammy so bad, we just have to stop this. Like, this guy has, like, internal bleeding. Like, we can't continue. <laughs> right. And with Darby, he was, you know, whether he was passed out or not, or, or whether there was nowhere he was going to go. He was trapped. He was done. So you could play it like that ref made the right call because Miro wasn't going to let go and Darby wasn't going to verbally quit. <laughs> Like Ken uh, Shamrock at WrestleMania 13. There you go. There it is. Uh, I liked it. I liked, and I'm happy Miro won. 
Because yeah. there was a couple times during that match, and I'm like, oh, God, Miro's going to lose. <laughs> you have a dominant champion now. You have a champion. Uh, look, to be honest, that's a little bit more believable than Darby. <laughs> and I, I totally get Darby. I know what his gimmick is as far as the the scrappy, relentless underdog. I get all that. It doesn't make it work. <laughs> Um, and Darby, like, they were trying to make Darby Bret Hart practically the past couple months. Like, he'll fight anyone anywhere. This breakneck skin. No one has defended the title like this. Stop that. <laughs> you literally did this a year ago with Cody. <laughs> um, but Cody was more believable. So, yeah, I, look, I don't have a problem with Darby. I think he's fine. But, uh, this was exactly what needed to happen. What about your thoughts on Dynamite overall? Because although it was not an A+, I thought they hit some good points. It had it had moments. Um, but there a lot of... I don't know, it just didn't... It felt it felt like it missed the mark. Okay. In, in, in a lot of spots. Um, and it could, it could have been because of the... I mean, certainly the... the the botched finish to the to the world title contender match didn't help. Um, pointless women's match never helps. Um, you know the, the the two title matches being kind of underwhelming. Well, <clears throat> I don't know. You say underwhelming, but I I feel like it checked the boxes for me. I'm like. Bucks win and they break up SCU. Exactly what needs to happen at this point in the, you know, in the Bucks story arc. Miro comes in there, dominates the match, and beats Darby clean. Exactly what needs to happen in that match. Mm. So to me, the results are what I wanted to see happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying the results weren't what needed to happen, but the, it just seems like they just kind of. The way that they got there just felt kind of kind of lazy. I would agree with you more on um, on the tag title match with the stupid Colts, right? Even though mm-hmm. that wasn't the finish ultimately, it obviously played into it. Um, but I thought Mira and Dabby did good. Also, I don't. I I just really don't like. Oh yeah, thing. sorry, I wasn't talk- sorry, I wasn't talking about the. When I said the two title matches, I meant sorry, the first two matches, the the oh Moxley Nagata and the tag title match. Dude, I forgot that that was a title match. <laughs> Nagata and Moxley just felt like a this guy's visiting us from New Japan, man. <laughs> no. Yeah, that match wasn't good. I honestly, going into it, was wondering if that was they're using that as a way to get the title off Moxley, so NJPW could do something else with it. But. Yeah, but that's what they were supposed to do a month ago when he fought Kenta, and then he won. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so what was the point of fucking Kenta? Um, I hated that. I hated the Moxley Nagata thing. I hated the Moxley and Kingston trash the elite's locker room. Um, I also hated. Uh, like like we talked about, neither the inner circle or the pinnacle really selling the brutality of blood and guts. Yeah. Everybody was fine. It was like there was no consequence to it. Yeah. 
And surprisingly, I didn't hate the Cody Cody promo, even even though a lot of people did. But I mean, I get it. I get why people were either confused or put off by it, and I don't blame them. But uh, you know, I I will say it does seem like we're doing a decent job of of getting the hype for blood or, for sorry for uh, double or nothing. Now, who knows if that car will deliver, because last year's fucking didn't. But we'll see. All right, so... I got a 7.64 on cage match. It's only got four tens. It's got 18 nines, 26 eights, 11 sevens, nine sixes, two fives, one four, two twos. Yeah, I think I'm once again in that six to seven range. Uh, but for different reasons this week? It's just, I don't know, it's weird. This is an 8.0. Overall, a good episode of Dynamite. I thought all the matches were good or served their purpose well. Some of them were extremely good, such as the main event. The promos were hit or miss. I loved the MJF Tully promo, but the champagne bath didn't quite do it for me. Cody's promo was well-delivered, but the content was poor. Ever since he dropped the TNT title, he's been off the rails. Um. Also, that's what that was? That was champagne? Yeah. It was, oh. a, bubbly, it was a bubbly bath. They kind of, I know they showed the a little bit of the bubbly like graphic on the side of the vehicle, mm-hmm. but I didn't. I don't know. In my mind, I didn't connect. You're supposed to infer. You're supposed to infer. Yeah. Uh, what else we got here? So, uh, 7.0 would have been an eight if not for the OC injury and Cody's awful promo. I legitimately thought he was announcing he was running for office. Loved the SCU match and most of everything else. Thought the champagne gun and Jericho reappearing so soon was a bit hokey, but it didn't hurt my rating overall. Okay. Yeah, everybody's fucking pissed about um, Cody's promo, but what everybody should be up in arms about is more the no-selling of blood and cuts, in my opinion. And and Jericho, with the fucking trite, contrived uh, champagne bath, you know... How many times have we seen that in wrestling at this point? <clears throat> like, I didn't pop at all. Like, I know Tony Schiavone thought it was the funniest thing in the world, but... Let's now, see. if you did not listen to the AE... I'm sorry, the WWE rundown, I've already said my piece on Ricky Starks. And yes, I am jumping ahead I, to the news. I, I have a bit of an update on him in a moment. Uh... <laughs> 7.0. Great show, though I had some major issues with it. Cody's promo was the single worst thing put out by AEW in the company's history. Oh, that's a little bit much. People are confused about what to do during the anthem. Are you out of your fucking mind to say this on TNT, the basketball network? Cody wants to talk to the CEO of racism. The absolute lack of effort put into any woman other than Britt Baker is honestly really burning my goodwill for AEW. You have to have opportunity to shine, and AEW has made it perfectly clear that Britt gets a virtual monopoly on opportunity within the women's division. There are two more dynamites before Double or Nothing, and I'd wager that at best, Sheeta gets a 30-second soundbite on one of them. Britt will get full promos on both episodes. Also, the tag title match should have been the main event. While ordinarily I hate anything related to the Young Bucks, the added stipulation of SCU never teaming again should have been treated like a bigger deal. And given they lost, it should have been done in the main event, given how great the match was. So he, he was happy with the match, but he was mad that it was in the wrong spot? Yeah. So Miro winning the TNT title should have been the second match on the card. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just saying. Also, um, look... 
I, I hate to I hate to call it out like this, but Britt cuts good promos. She should be doing most of the talking and most of the heavy lifting in this feud. <laughs> I, I I don't want a uh, I understand about equal opportunity and, and TV time, but Sheeta's always done her talking with her actions. I don't want Sheeta and, and Britt to have a promo battle back and forth. That would be awful. Uh, 6.0. Cody Rhodes genuinely thinks anyone in the world except himself wants to see him ape the American Dream moniker in a heroic white babyface versus evil dark-skinned foreigner feud in 2021. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he watched the IWGP United States title match and decided he needed decided the need to be the most America afterwards, just like when Moxley casually mentioned his wife is expecting him passing during a promo, so Cody decided he must film an entire vignette announcing Brandy was expecting and then do a fucking gender reveal angle. It blows my mind that the guy who founded the company consistently puts on the worst shit in every episode he's in. The rest of the show is decent. Moxley Nagata underdelivered for me a little bit, but never really felt like it got out of second gear. Honestly, it's a shame that that match happened before the OC botch, because then those supposed extra six minutes for the time limit draw could have been given to that match, instead of Miro spending that time ragdolling Darby. Plus, it's a shame in general that the OC pack match had that botch, and given the circumstances, they pulled off the audible as well as they could have. I hope OC is fine. Tag title match was good. Match of the night for sure. Kudos to Daniels for bleeding like a stuck pig. But for the love of God, can we please go one fucking week without AEW referencing WWE? Britt Baker once again gets an entire promo to build herself while Sheeta gets no screen time, continuing the tradition of every Hikaru Sheeta program being entirely about the challenger, while Sheeta just kind of exists as a mannequin for someone to chase. Speaking of AEW's atrocious women's division, booking Thunder Rosa gets a, uh, sorry, atrocious women's division booking, Thunder Rosa gets a squash match to apparently set her up for a match with Serena Deem, whom, to the best of my knowledge, hasn't even been mentioned on AEW TV for three months now. Because she's I guess been we, hurt. I guess we need something for the, for the buy-in. Miro versus Darby was okay, exactly what it should have been, except, again, it went too long for what it was supposed to be. Pinnacle angle was good, but honestly, I'm kind of burnt out on this whole feud already. Hopefully, Stadium Stampede will be the final confrontation between these two teams. All in all, the typical three steps forward, but two steps back episode of 2021 Dynamite. Lots of stuff moving forward, but also several misfires and bad decisions. Sure. That's fine. All right. Uh, yeah, so you, you talked on uh, WWE Rundown about uh, R- Ricky Starks' slightly severed spinal cord. Um, thanks to that uh, German suplex he did not fully backflip out of. Um, I put this in the news for one uh, for one thing uh, and one thing only, and I'm going to say his name because it's, it's relevant this time. Uh, according to the latest Wrestling Observer Radio, Ricky Starks is also believed to have suffered a knee injury. Brian Alvarez noted that AEW medical officials also looked at Starks' knee when they realized he had fractured his neck. Starks ended up finishing the match on that episode of Dynamite, which saw the injury occur when he landed on his head after a driven suplex. Uh, he even briefly worked an episode of AEW Dark, but uh, he, it was a tag match and he didn't tag in. Uh, but then, basically, minutes after that was posted, Twitter, Ricky Starks took to Twitter to say, quote, inaccurate, nothing wrong with my knees, unquote. Shut the fuck up, Alvarez. Alvarez is an idiot. <clears throat> I've known that for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah it just made me laugh. That, that Just so flat out, like, nope, no, nope, you're fucking wrong. Ah. <laughs> uh, a new report has details on Orange Cassidy's condition following the bump he took on uh, Dynamite last night. As noticed, as uh, we talked about, the Eliminator match went to an improvised finish after Cassidy took a rough Liger bomb by Pack. An audible was called, and Kenny Omega attacked Pack, causing a no contest or a double double countout basically instead of the planned 20 minute draw. Uh, Fightful Select reporting that Cassidy is fortunately okay after the spot. Uh, Cassidy and Pack will now both face Kenny Omega in a triple threat match, double or nothing. 
Uh, so up here is just a just a scary spot, but no uh, no lingering issues. Good, good. Fingers that's crossed. good to hear. Fingers crossed. Uh, and of course, we mentioned before uh, AEW starting to sell tickets Monday, I believe, for when they start touring again in July. Uh, also announced the tickets for AEW Double or Nothing. The company announced uh, last night the tickets for the May 30th pay per view. As well as uh, we mentioned it last night, the special Friday Night Dynamite on May 28th will go on sale Monday at 10 a.m. Uh, the announcement notes that fans can get tickets for both shows on Thursday and Friday by for $60 uh, with an email address or a phone number. Um, yeah, so that's all I got this week. Hmm. Yeah, this week, the follow-up from uh, Blood and Guts, <clears throat> it was all right. Um, but yeah, we got, let's see here, next week will be the 19th, so we got two more episodes of Dynamite before Double or Nothing, yeah. and uh, next week's card doesn't look too bad, although, obviously, the Bucks versus the, the Varsity Blondes is a waste of time. Uh, yeah, so it looks like, because of how they're doing the Dynamite, stuff. Uh, because it's because next week uh, is Wednesday, but the week after is Friday with Dynamite on with a double or nothing on Sunday. Yes, uh, it looks like next week is when we'll probably end up having to do predictions. Oh no, yeah, um, because like you like we had discussed last week, we're not going to talk about Dynam- <laughs> Dynamite Friday Dynamite until the same episode that we talk about Blood and Guts. So yeah, so next not Blood week- and Guts. Fuck. Yeah. Double or oh. nothing. It's the second time I did that tonight. Yeah, so so next week there'll be a regular uh, AEW rundown on Thursday. The week after, there there will not be an AEW rundown. And then the first week of June, you'll get an AEW rundown on Tuesday to talk about Friday, Dynamite Friday, and Double or Nothing. And then your regular AEW rundown on Thursday the 3rd to talk about uh, that week's Dynamite. So. Correct. Correct. It's going to be interesting. So that wraps it up for week 82 of the AEW Rundown. Be safe. Stay sane. Be kind. Be a decent human being. Wear your masks. Follow your protocols. What protocols? There's none left. Social distance. (laughs) Yes. Get vaccinated. Doesn't take long. Benefits you more than anybody. Um... And I guess that means that we will... Wait a minute. Nope, that's a different gimmick. I did too many shows this week. Bostinger! Just because you can't think of a line of your own doesn't mean you get to steal mine that I stole from Jake. Yes, it does. Son of a bitch. Wild thing. Bostinger.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You have been listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at rundownnetwork. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling and you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>